Welcome to FitChicks Chat, the podcast dedicated to fitness, nutrition, wellness, and mindset. For more information on FitChicks Academy and our upcoming fitness and nutrition expert certification, as well as our holistic nutrition weight loss coaching certifications, please visit fitchicksacademy.com. Thank you so much for listening and enjoy today's episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Fit Chicks Chat. My name is Amanda Quinn, and on today's podcast, I'm very excited to have Raphael joining us. He is the founder of Restore Rehabilitation and Wellness. Raph, how are you today? I'm good. You know, it's uh, was a Thursday morning. No complaints. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> awesome. Now, Raph, um, you and I have been in touch over the years, and I know I've seen like how much you've grown in terms of your business with your podcast, um, which is called Cut the Shit, Get Fit, which I love, and just everything that you've got going on. But I know that one of the things that you really focus on in your clinic is specifically talking about rehabilitation and helping clients get past pain. So, one of the things I want us to focus on today is getting out of pain to train. And I'd love to hear more from you first, though, before we get into like the nitty gritty of like injuries and modifications, etc. How did you get involved with rehabilitation? Why did you become obsessed with that? Because I feel like it's kind of, it's a good obsession, but it's like this, that's like, that's like your jam. Like what, what is it about that that made it just so exciting for you to be able to focus on? Yeah. So I think it kind of started almost 10 years ago now, where when I started as a personal trainer, there was always those, you know, random clients that, you know, their knee hurts, their shoulder hurts, and then they go to physio. And then physio is like, you know what, you should probably stop exercising and going to the gym for two to four weeks and do these rehab exercises instead. Right. Typically that approach doesn't work the best. Sometimes it does, but then there's this kind of like gray space of like, am I ready to go back to the gym or do I keep doing these physio exercises and I'm not like knowing what to do. And there's like, you know, personal trainers on this side and you have your physios and chiros here. And then there's that weird dead space. So I kind of wanted to bridge the gap between those two. So I started taking a lot of physio courses, chiro courses, sort of shadowing physiotherapists to kind of understand their side of things. So I could start kind of speaking their language. And then I started seeing all these different practitioners in my area constantly referring to me because they were like, oh, I actually trust this trainer. Because I think for most like in this industry, when people think personal trainers, it's like you're doing burpees and running up a treadmill as high as possible, as fast as possible to your crying. And that's what all physios and chiros think of us, but right. we're a lot more developed than that. But um, I always so. kinda, yeah, yeah. So I always kind of wanted to bridge that gap because a lot of times clients that I've had in the past injured something and then they never come back because they never really dealt with that injury. So I didn't want to have that um, kind of barrier because a lot of times too, these people might be overweight or dealing with other health issues and they can't get back to the gym and they just end up staying in pain and getting worse. So I'm like, I don't want that to happen to people. I want to help them. So that's kind of a long story how I kind of got into it. No, but that's so great. And I think it's, it's coming from like a heart centered sort of place of like, I see people in pain and I want to be able to support them. And the only way to support them is to understand that in between phase, because Mm -hmm. you're right. It's, you know, people feel like because I have an injury or because um, I haven't really dealt with a past injury, I'm not ready to be able to step into the gym and go do burpees, but it really doesn't have to be always that. Right. And I think as coaches, we also have to understand that we have to meet clients where they're at but we have to be educated enough to be able to do that as well, especially when it comes to injuries and modifications. Would you agree with that? Oh, hundred percent. Like 
I always modify things because in this day and age, everyone sits all the time, like right. all the time. So sometimes a traditional exercise might not be the best tool, but a lot of times it's like, you know, if you ask someone in the gym where they're struggling with an exercise and maybe it's pain related, mobility related, whatever it is. And they'll, they'll usually say, I'm using this exercise to get stronger quads. So it's like, well, there's probably a thousand different exercises that could do the job and you won't be in pain or you won't be restricted in movement. So sometimes it's just finding that middle ground because there's so many different approaches to exercise, just finding the right tool for the job. Right. No, yeah. for sure. And I mean, obviously there are some clients where the recommended route would be to go to physio and to go to Cairo and to, and to take that route because it might be an injury that um, they sustain that is, you know, maybe past the scope of practice as a coach, but if you are a coach, so, you know, what are the top three? I mean, I know for me, the most um, predominant sort of injuries that I would always see were like knees and shoulders and wrists. Those were kind of like the three main ones that I usually, um, when I was teaching our bootcamp programs at Fitchix that I would always deal with, what would you say would be the top three injuries that you sort of are the most common, at least in your line of work? And what are um, the recommendations for whether you're a coach or a client, what would be those recommendations that you would give? Um, so I guess the first three that I always see is tends to be lower back pain, mm -hmm. shoulder pain, and I, yeah, I would say knee pain, but those right. three are like kind of the main things, but they're all kind of connected. So a lot of times yeah. I make this kind of analogy that if you looked at your ceiling and there's a leak, the last thing you would do is like, I'm just going to paint over the leak and patch it up and that's going to fix it. Most people go, there's probably a pipe above the ceiling that's leaking and causing that, you know, little watered market area. Mm -hmm. Whereas in like the medical community and like rehab community, it's like, oh, your knee hurts. I'm going to treat the knee and that's it. But just kind of like the ceiling thing, usually when it comes to knees, it's like there's something either going on with your hip or your ankle that dictates the knee. I always call the knee the stupid joint because it has <laughs> to listen to the hip and ankle in order to move. And a lot of times when I do an, like an assessment on someone and they have like zero to none hip mobility and I'm like, yeah, no, no wonder your knee hurts because it can't track in the right direction because your hip doesn't work like a hip. Right. But, um, it kind of depends on how you want me to go into this. Cause I can like talk forever about the hip and knee and low back and shoulder. <laughs> I think it's just, you know, if you were, if you were treating a client that yep. had one of those three, what would be some of the do's and don'ts that you would recommend? Let's just say for knee, Cause I know that knee pain is, like I said, that was probably the number one was knee and shoulder for me. Definitely lower okay. back too. You're absolutely correct. But yeah. what would you say would be kind of like, do's in terms of strengthening it and don'ts in terms of avoid maybe these exercises or these things in order to be able to help your rehabilitation um, move forward. Yeah. So usually with knees, like before I even do an assessment, I always like to get like a thorough um, medical history. And I always like started off with like, tell me every single injury you've had since the age of three. And then people are like, oh my God. And then they start listing this long thing. And there's usually one or two things in there that's probably related to the knee. So sometimes it's like, oh, I had a hip replacement on my left side, but my right knee hurts. So it's like, okay, now they have this different gait that might be putting a lot of pressure on that knee. Or they go, I've rolled my left ankle at least nine times. And then I'm like, okay, so left side again, different gait. So maybe the right side is overworking. So there's like, 
those little things that kind of pop up in medical history. But then when I do like an assessment, usually with knees, it's like, if I check hip internal rotation, most people don't have enough. So I'm like, okay, so you have a hip that doesn't have enough capsular space to internally rotate. And that's like a huge thing when it comes to squats, lunges, deadlifts, because your hip needs to go into both internal and external. And a lot of times too, when people don't have enough hip internal rotation, they can't extend their hips. So now every hip extension exercise, like deadlifts, um, squats, when you come back to the top, glute bridges, they're not getting full hip extension and then stuff happens in their low back. So a lot of this ends up being really, really connected because it's like, yeah, knee pain's happening. You look at the hip and then most likely that hip also has an SI joint that doesn't move properly. So you're like, starting to unpeel, like peel that onion, all the layers coming off. So a lot of times it's like, okay, lows hanging fruit, let's get you more hip internal rotation. And now the knee can kind of start moving again. But from like an exercise perspective, like people just need to move their stuff like every single day. And I always make the analogy where if I'm using my hip, like what I'm doing right now sitting, and then like I drove here and I guess like the average, I don't know, um, commute time is 30 to 45 minutes. And then you sit at a desk for like eight to 10 hours. Then you drive home, then you sit down to eat dinner and then you're sitting down to watch Netflix. It's like, you've moved your hip through like one plane of motion and that's it. (laughs) And then what happens is like your brain goes, Oh, you do this a lot. So I'm going to make you more efficient at it by stiffening up all the other things in your joint. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So then you get really good at sitting. So then when you go to the gym and you're like, I'm going to do a lateral lunge and you're like, wow, my back hurts and my knee hurts. I don't know why. (laughs) Cause you've never moved that joint into that position. And a lot of times when I do a assessment, when we get to more of the active component and I put someone through something called a hip controlled articular rotation and they can feel how terrible their hip is. And I'm like, okay, out of a hundred percent and a hundred percent is like the best hip in the entire world. Where does yours feel like today? And they're like, usually between 20 and 30%. And I'm like, okay, so we have a 20 to 30% hip trying to do a hundred percent hip things meaning you're only going to get 20 to 30% out of that exercise. And that's when it really clicks into people. They're like, holy crap, I should probably like focus on some mobility work. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of like the foundation. And a lot of times too, when people don't address those issues, they go to the gym, they follow a program, they do a boot camp, whatever it is. And they only get to a certain point and they kind of hit that plateau because physically their joints are not, you know, built enough Mm -hmm. with a foundation to do those um, movements. And a lot of times I kind of explain that in my eyes, exercise is kind of like going to karate. Like you start with white belt stuff and then you work your way up to the black belt stuff. But a lot of people want to do the black belt stuff because they saw it on Instagram and then they're like, Hey, why does this hurt? So that was kind of a long explanation, but (laughs) sometimes I just get people started with the things that they're not good at their hip. And it could be, yeah, say it's internal rotation, hip extension, then I'm going to find specific exercises like that for their warm up or like a filler exercise after um, a taxing exercise. Like if you're doing, I don't know, a squat to overhead press and try to fit it there somewhere and then kind of educate the person that they need to do this every single day. Cause you know, the 10 plus hours every day of you sitting is going to make things worse. And if you're only doing, I don't know, two sets of 10 of active hip internal rotation, it's going to take some time before it can actually show some progress. But 
Right. Hopefully that kind of answered your question. <laughs> yeah, no, that was amazing. That was amazing. And I think you're absolutely like, I mean, I remember way back, one of the first anatomy books I ever read was called The Anatomy of Movement. And it solidified exactly what you were saying, where how everything is interconnected, right? And a lot of people don't realize that. And you're absolutely right. Like it's, you know, if you're having knee pain, oftentimes it is hip or ankle related. And then also building up muscles on like your quads and things like that will actually help that pain, mm-hmm. right? So it's it's understanding how the body works. And even as coaches, it's really making sure that we understand the types of movements and the types of exercises that we should be using with those clients to help them build up the strength, build up the mobility, build up um, like flexibility, everything that they need in order to be able to alleviate some of that pain. Mm-hmm. Now, what would you say um, in terms of sort of like a strategy for someone who maybe is just starting out on their fitness journey, right? So we have a lot of people that listen to our podcast that are coaches, but then we also have people that are um, really just into exercise or just starting out. What would you say for, like, why is mobility? I mean, I think you kind of answered this, but why would you think mobility should be included? Because I know it's like, it's a pillar of fitness, but a lot of people, a lot of coaches only focus on the physical, like, the workout, the body of a workout mm-hmm. program, they don't necessarily focus on that. And a lot of people, as we know, when they go to the gym, they skip warm ups, cool downs, all of that stuff. And they think that uh, cool down stretch is the same as mobility. Can you explain the difference between mobility movement exercises and stretching? And then also why it's so key to include that piece? Yeah. So, like, the whole stretching topic is kind of funny to me because it's like traditionally, it's like you hold a hamstring stretch for 30 seconds at the end of your workout. And I'm like, did you actually do any kind of physiological change in that 30 seconds? Probably not. Like if you asked a dancer, how did you get so flexible? They're like, I came in an hour before class. I put my foot on that bar and held it there for an hour. That's going (laughs) to change quite a bit. Mm -hmm. But on the flip side is like true mobility training is like having that active component. So even that dancer that held that leg out to stretch their hamstring for an hour, that's more of a passive stretch but actively they may not get the same range of motion. And that's what I always look at an assessment is like, what's their passive range of motion compared to their active. Cause active is like what you control with your body. And if that has a huge gap between the two, then you have more chances of injuring yourself or, you know, doing something weird where you, I don't know, go to pick up a, your laundry basket and your whole back, it goes out for some reason. So a lot of times when I educate my clients, like true mobility training is like strength training, but for your joints so they can build a bigger capacity. So if my shoulder joint has really good mobility and I'm putting force inputs in there by doing mobility training, it can take more load. So I come from more of like a kin stretch background and kin stretch is primarily strength training your joints. So if I did that for every single joint and I decided to go to the gym and I don't try to deadlift 300 pounds, I'd probably get there faster than a person just training the deadlift. So it kind of gives you more options in every single of your day of your life, whatever you're doing, but also um, more so in the gym, if you want to do the cool stuff. And I think a lot of times when trainers start out, they tend to be fit already and they have a passion for training. And they kind of just assume that every person they'll see moves like them. (laughs) But then you get people like clients, everyday people that maybe never played a sport in their life. 
they are an accountant and they don't even know the difference between a barbell and a dumbbell. And then you're like, all right, we got back squats. And then you're like, that doesn't look like my back squat. I don't know what's, what's going to go, just go lower. And then you hope that it's all going to correct itself. Right. So a lot of times it's like understanding that maybe I I think like a lot of new coaches and I did this too, is like, when I started training, I'm like, sweet, I'm just going to train everybody. Like I train myself. Mm -hmm. Then you quickly realize that doesn't work. And then that's where I kind of went down the rabbit hole of like, Oh, maybe an assessment would be a good idea to kind of start somewhere. And every time I get a new person training with me and I start with an assessment, I always ask them, have you had a trainer before? And they say, yes. And I'm like, why aren't you with them now? They're like, I either got injured or I didn't see the results that I wanted. And I'm like, okay. And I'm like, have you ever had an assessment done? They're like, never. And I'm like, all right, that's, it's not a, a good, good thing. Right. Cause like you, you kind of lose a lot of information. Cause it's like, how can I create the best program for this individual in front of me without knowing how they move or what hurts if you like move your shoulder up here? Like, does anything feel weird if you do that? Because if it does, then I'm not going to give you shoulder presses overhead right off the bat. Let's maybe look at other things. So mm-hmm. it's a long answer, but assessments are super important and figuring out the difference between just old school stretching of holding a hamstring stretch for 30 seconds compared to like, I'm going to do a physiological change in my hamstring tissue that anytime I decide to do full knee flexion, I can recruit as much motor neurons to produce more force. If I'm doing a hamstring curl and a stability ball or whatever other hamstring exercise you can think of. Right. No, and I agree. I mean, even in our fitness and nutrition expert certification, one of the areas that we focus on heavily is the assessment part. We have a whole section, like a whole lesson dedicated to how to complete a one-on-one assessment, the type of questions that you want to ask, the type of process that you want to go through and why it's so key, because you're right. Like if you don't understand where your client is coming from and you don't understand anything about their movement and their mobility, their abilities or any of their history, how can you really dictate what that's going to look like for the future? Like, how are you going to get them to their goals if you really don't even understand where they're starting out at? Mm-hmm. Now, yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, what would you say in terms of like one of the um, one of the most common things I find that's happening a lot? There is a lot of conversation about mobility. There's also a lot of conversation now about primal movements. I don't know if you've been paying attention to that. I've noticed in the industry, there's a lot of like different workout programs that are designed around like primal movements or like sort of just like everyday kind of movements, right? So getting like doing squats so that you can pick up your laundry off the ground or you can do these things. Um, How do you feel about those new workout programs? Do you think that they are a great place for someone to start if they are just starting out on their fitness journey or if they've had mobility issues in the past? Um, it kind of depends. Cause like, I know there's a couple companies that even have certifications for it. And like, I've taken them in the past and I'm a huge fan of crawling cause it's like a developmental stage when it comes to gait. And a lot of times, like when I train clients, I'll put crawling into their program and the concept of like opposite arm and opposite leg, their brain can't comprehend that. And I'm like, you do this every day when you walk, cause you walk opposite hand and opposite leg, but then you put them on all fours. And like babies do this all the time. When you see a baby crawl, like it's like automatic. And then eventually that goes into them being able to walk, run and sprint and things like that. Um, I'm like a fan of those primal movements and things like that. But it's like most people don't even have the wrist integrity to hold themselves up for like, say, a 45 minute or an hour, like 
primal moves work out. So I'd be more worried on risk because like we're on our laptops all the time. And like, if you're again, with any kind of joint, it's like, if you keep it in one position all the time, it's not going to be able to move in all these different things. And I'm not a huge fan of burpees because of the whole wrist thing. Cause if you think about it, most people's wrists are terrible. So it's now like, let me throw my whole body weight onto the ground, onto my wrist that can't move. And let's yeah. hope for the best. No, <laughs> and like exactly. when I, yeah, when I get people to do wrist cars, um, which is like literally just like a full wrist circle, they have no idea how to isolate just their wrist from their forearm. And a lot of times people, uh, compensate for their wrist mobility with their forearm. So a lot of times when people have tight wrists, they also have elbow issues. And then that's where you get the whole golfers and tennis elbow, and then it runs up the chain to the shoulder. Right. So I guess it's kind of like a yes and no type of thing, depending on the person and their background. <laughs> right. No, it's so funny that you mentioned the wrist stuff. Like I've even myself, like been dealing with like so many terrorists because I'm always on my laptop, on my phone, working constantly. And I've noticed it so much over the past, I would say about a year, like anytime I'm in plank position or anything, mm -hmm. I can feel it. So I consistently am always doing like different movements and stuff to try to like build it back up. But I'm like, oh, is it just because I'm getting old? Right. Because then we all think that too, because then we all go into that mindset. Right. And I'm sure clients you have think that too. Like it's just like, oh, this is how it's supposed to be. Yeah. What is your response to that to clients that think? Because I know, I know for me, I know that that's not true. I know it's just because I haven't been using, doing enough mobility stuff. But um, what would you say to your clients and for anyone who's listening who's a coach? How do they address that statement of like, this is just as you get, as you age, this is just what happens. Cause a lot of people believe that your body has to deteriorate when you get older. Yeah. It's a funny conversation, but it's like, mm -hmm. I only have those conversations in the very beginning, but then when they become consistent with me, they never talk about it again. And then anytime <laughs> like I've had someone that came in because X, Y, and Z was hurting. And then say three months down the road, I'm like, how do those three things feel? They're like, honestly, I've never even like thought about it. So it's always kind of like the beginning stages where I have that conversation and I kind of educate them. Like the goal is to make you move and feel better. And the more you do this mobility exercise, the strength exercise is designed for you. You're going to feel better over time. It just takes time for like new tissue to be laid down through movement. And I also kind of educate like how a joint is designed. It's designed for movement. If you don't move it, bad things happen. But the moment you do move it, you have synovial fluid that's pushed into that joint capsule. And within that synovial fluid, you have all the nutrients to keep that joint healthy. But if I say use my shoulder for my phone, my laptop, and maybe grabbing a cup out of the cupboard, maybe I'm like lathering synovial fluid in like 15% of my shoulder, whereas there's like other stuff behind here that also needs that. And it becomes like brittle and weird. And like the only time I think people move their arms back here like behind them is like if their phone drops between the center console of their car and they're like <laughs> trying to reach for it and then their whole neck pulls and they're like, I can't move now. <laughs> right. So it's kind of like that little education piece. And then over time, if they're consistent with movement, those things tend to go away. Yeah, no, you're, you're absolutely right. It's so funny. Cause it's, it's so true. Like even for me, I've noticed that, you know, when I'm talking about like sort of noticing my, my wrist being really tight and stuff, it was, I used to practice yoga on a daily basis um, for majority of my life and I never had any mobility issues or anything like that. And then I stopped my practice for a while. And ever since I've stopped is when I've noticed this like difference in my body, in my mobility and everything, because 
it's just, it's different. I'm doing different movements now and I'm not doing the things that really helped me from, from my body that helped me to kind of like have that mobility and keep that flexibility and that strength in all areas. Right. Because I find with yoga, it is, it's doing many different movements and holding many different patterns. Um, now, what would you say? Um, my last question for you today is what would you say then to any clients that are dealing with injuries? What are the first steps that you recommend? And then what are things that you recommend they avoid doing? So first steps of um, if they come to you and they've got some injuries, what are the first things that you would recommend for them to do? And then what are things that you would say, just please don't do this thing. So I know you said burpees for sure. But is, there any, <laughs> is there anything else? Is there any like um, exercises or anything that you would recommend um, that they just avoid? Um, so it's kind of a loaded question because everyone's a little bit different, but generally, like if we go down the path of like the average person that sits a lot, most flexion based exercises will probably not feel good on the low back. Cause it's like, if I decide to, you know, keep my elbow bent like this 10 hours every single day, it's not going to be the greatest feeling to try to extend it out. So in that idea, if I'm sitting in flexion, and my elbows in flexion, the last thing I want to do is more flexion stuff. It's just going to cause more issues. So a lot of times it's you want to do the opposite thing that you're not doing. So a lot of times with low back people, it's like, I want them to do more extension based stuff, which is kind of like all your posterior chain exercises, like a single leg deadlift, or even getting them lying down on the floor, you know, hands on top of each other, forehead on, and you're teaching them how to breathe. And that's going to release a lot of tension in the low back and hip flexors that are keeping everything tight in that low back. Mm -hmm. So it kind of depends on where they're at, but it's like, I'll go down the path of like teaching people how to breathe to loosen up um, anything in the low back through their nervous system to a point where I'm teaching them how to do a proper glute bridge without them feeling their low back um, and staying away from things like crunches because those tend to just fuel the fire of low back pain. But now it's like, if you think about how joints are designed, especially in the spine, they're meant for flexion and extension. So there's a certain point where if someone's in a flare up with low back pain. I stay away from flexion based stuff, but the moment that they're kind of back to normal, I want to teach them how to move their spine into flexion. And I'm not saying like we're doing Jefferson curls, but we're like on our hands and knees and I'm like poking at L5 and I'm like, I want you to push into my finger. And a lot of times when you injure your low back, your whole body like shuts down everything around that area and you lose sensation on how to move. And a lot of times low back people keep injuring their low back because they don't relearn how to move in those segments. So basically your whole lumbar spine after an injury, after that acute stage, I'm teaching clients how to move through every single segment because every vertebrae should be able to move interdependently by 13 millimeters. And when I tell that to people, they're like, really? And I'm like, yeah, it's like joints on stacked on joints. Like they should be able to move. And then sometimes when I'm like trying to poke at their lumbar spine, I'm like push through here. They're like, am I moving? And I'm like, not even a little bit. And there's <laughs> such a disconnect, right? Cause you like your brain shuts down those pathways if something's injured. And if you don't take the time to relearn it, then it's like, it's going to take a long time for it to retrain that pattern. So a lot of times with low back people, there's kind of phases, like figure out your pain trigger, avoid that pain trigger, learn how to stabilize the spine and extension, and then relearn how to move it through flexion. And then things start moving 
pretty well. But a lot of times people develop these like movement behaviors that are not the most optimal for the exercise. So it's like, I can go in so many different directions of like, you know, deadlifts are bad for your low back, but deadlifts are also good for your low back, depending on what movement behavior you have. And I see this a lot with like, say yogis, they're very like lumbar extension, like base. So anytime they do a barbell deadlift, they extend through their low back first and then their hips where it should be the reverse. Right. So it's like, you could have someone really, really fit like a Yogi, but then you put them in a different environment, like a gym and their body's just used to like coming out in the sun salutation with lumbar extension. Cause that's how you do it. But then you use that movement behavior for an exercise that could be good for you, but it actually does the, does the opposite. So a lot of times it's like, which exercises are bad really depends on the person. So sometimes it's like just getting that history of people's, you know, exercise, medical history and an assessment and to see what they should avoid to kind of go from there. But, uh, hopefully that kind of answered your question. It totally does. No, that totally does. Now, um, just to wrap up, what can you share with our listeners a little bit more about how they can find out more information? Cause I know that you have an amazing ebook and yes. um, that would really just help to be able to answer a lot of these questions too. So can you just share a little bit more about the ebook and then how they can get access to that? And of course, for anyone listening, all of the links to be able to access this will be in the show notes as well. Yeah. So I wrote in uh, an ebook called the ironclad body training system. And when I was starting out, what I did was I always bought other coaches books to see how they programmed. And then as I kind of went through my career, I was like, those books were great, but I was like, what if I had low back pain and you program deadlifts, like it might not be the best thing. So I was like, you know what, I'm going to write my own ebook where an assessment is included. So in my book, not only is it like, a good 400 pages of information, but, um, you do a self-assessment and based on the assessment is what version of the program you do. So there's actually three versions of the same program. And based on the results of the assessment that you do is the version you do. So the cool thing is like, if you were a complete beginner, you could do like the beginner program for four months. And then obviously you would improve over time. And then you could do the intermediate one and you have another four months of programming. And then eventually you could do the advanced version, which is another four months. You end up getting like 12 months worth of programming if you follow all the steps. Uh, but you can find that on the ironcladbodytrainingsystem.com. You can look me up on Instagram and Facebook and there's links everywhere. But uh, yeah, like it's probably the best work I've ever put together. Like there's a whole section on low back pain, knee pain, anatomy, like everything that I've done in the clinic from, you know, educating yourself on if you do have low back pain, at what point you should go see a surgeon or talk to a medical professional. Like there's so much in there, like it's ridiculous, but, uh, yeah, you can definitely check it out online. And, uh, if you ever have any questions, feel free to reach out on Instagram, TikTok all the other social media platforms. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Well, Raph, thank you so much for all of your information and for your time for everyone listening. Thank you so much. And we will see you again next week.
Hey guys, my name is Nicole Plaza. I am the owner of Life Lounge Mind and Body Wellness for Expecting Parents. Now my partner and I are super pumped to be launching our Pregnancy Wellness Academy and all you need is an iPhone, laptop, or computer where we are going to meet you at your week of pregnancy with certified practitioners that give you absolutely everything you need to know to ensure a safe, well-informed pregnancy throughout all four trimesters. So what it looks like is you get weekly education, videos, downloadable PDFs for each stage of pregnancy and these practitioners go anywhere from fitness, nutrition, chiro, registered massage therapy, pelvic health, naturopath, fashion and skincare. You can really visualize it as a pregnancy wellness center brought to you virtually in the comfort of your own home. Now you can cancel any time and what's super cool is you have the option to take part in month-to-month nutrition guides that really focus on foods to keep you strong and healthy during pregnancy and postpartum. Here at the PWA we are all about the iron fiber and protein you'll get to see so we want to make sure it keeps things going and flowing now there can be so much conflicting information about pregnancy I really felt overwhelmed and got me thinking other people must be too so we wanted to make sure we could provide that one-stop shop that took the search out of google so you can have an informed pregnancy birth and recovery and what else is cool is we include a ton of partner support and information because they too can partake in the nutritional plans as it takes two to tango in the baby making world. So you're also probably wondering how long did it take for me to make back my tuition? Not even kidding you guys, literally like two months after graduating. And Another burning question that I had also is how quickly did I sign my first client? How did they find me? You know what? I documented my entire journey on Instagram while I was taking the Fit Chicks Nutrition Program. So if I was in the module of learning about probiotics and um, gut health, I would talk about it on there. And hey guys, this is what I'm learning. And naturally you will see too, you get emoji likes, questions, comments. And I really engaged with that audience and I took down who had those conversations with me. So when I was done... I reached out to them and said, hey, I'm done my program. If you're you know, looking for nutritional coaching, this is what I can offer. And they already kind of had that rapport with me. So that's something I would recommend that really worked. Now, this is a good segue into how did my business evolve? Well, I got quite busy, which is a good thing. And you'll see that too with the one-on-ones that it allowed me to grow to be so confident in pursuing my dreams and bringing me to where I am now in launching this Pregnancy Wellness Academy. So fast forward to today, I am a couple weeks away from launching the first ever PWA that can reach mamas and papas worldwide. And people truly are my passion. And this program with Fit Chicks has given me the courage to shoot for the stars. So don't think it, go ahead and do it. Now, three things that blew my mind during the program and after graduation. Number one, your poop can tell a story of your health. (laughs) You know the saying, a picture is worth a thousand words. Your poop health is worth a thousand words. So number two, get down and dirty old school by dropping off flyers and pamphlets about your business. And what I mean by this is just be simple. Get into your neighborhood, drop those pamphlets off on windshields of cars, local businesses, you name it. You don't need to overcomplicate it. I really truly did and learn from my learnings. Don't reinvent the wheel. Don't overthink what you bring to the table, which leads me to number three is you bring everything to the table. People will buy into your authentic self. So just drop the fear and go for it. You can always tweak along the way. I was so worried of being both perfect and everything, but truth be told, nothing has to be perfect to get off the ground and running and just start your biz. So 
one big piece of advice, in my opinion, I'll leave you with um, is if this is your passion, think of how you want your business to look in five years from now. And it can be, it doesn't have to be something you think is far-fetched at all. Anything. Really see it, visualize it, manifest it, and put it out there. So every time you feel that imposter syndrome, because we all get it, I do and I did, you go back to envisioning what you saw in your manifestation, that end in mind. That is what's going to bring you back to why you start the you started. So you got this. Go and connect with people, be relatable. People are all about the realness and truly taste the success. You guys can find me on my Instagram at the Life Lounge with Nicole Plaza. Thank you so much for listening and you're going to kick butt in your biz. Thanks for listening to the Fit Chicks Chat Podcast. Want more healthy love? Visit www.fitchicks.com for amazing resources, free workouts, recipes, tips, and so much more to help you live your healthiest and fiercest life inside and out.